Welcome to this presentation of the First Baptist Church Logue. We're glad to have you joining us today. Our mission at FBC Logue is to bring glory to God by being disciple makers. For that purpose, we present the following resource that it may be a blessing. All right, grab a Bible, turn to Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2. If you've used one of our Pew Bibles, you can find that on page 802. We are over halfway through our study of the book of Malachi, and uh, we are coming this morning to what may be the high point of this prophecy, really the, uh, what it's all about at the end of the day. As we continue to see that God is after our hearts, uh, that he is looking for genuine love and authentic faithfulness from his people. Malachi is going to reveal this morning what the Lord is going to do to secure those things, as he promises to address the evil and the injustices and the suffering of this world through the coming Messiah. So we are in Malachi chapter 2, and we're going to pick up beginning in verse 17. Malachi writes, You have wearied the Lord with your words. But you say, how have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where's the God of justice? And so as we pick up again here in verse 17, Malachi takes up his fourth disputation. He tells the people, you have wearied the Lord with your words. Now the word wearied here has connotations of, of wearing someone down or even agitating them over time. Uh, if you've ever been stuck in a vehicle on a long drive with a group of children in the back seat, then you know exactly what this is talking about. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? All right, after a couple dozen times of hearing this question, it gets to the point where you have got to stop asking me that question. All right? Now, of course, the Lord does not actually get weary. That's what part of what makes him God. But Malachi uses this expression here to communicate something of the unnecessary and even inappropriate nature of what the people are saying. They are saying things they should not say, which is creating further problems between them and the Lord. Now, as we've come to expect, the people protest this accusation. They object to this in the middle of the verse, and ask, how have we wearied him? And so Malachi explains in the second half of the verse, when he says that they've wearied the Lord with their words by saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? And now, in thinking about these statements for just a moment, uh, the idea that those who commit evil are seen as good by God, or that he even delights in them, and the question of, of where the God of justice is indicates that the people are not seeing divine intervention among them in the way that they might expect to, right? So bad people seem to be prospering in life. Good people are struggling, and probably as a whole, the people, or at least some portion of the people, are looking around at the situation they're in and asking, why is God allowing this to happen? Right? If we are God's covenant people, then why are we sitting here in such a shambles, under the, the rule of a foreign power, 
And in context, as we'll see in just a moment, there appears to be a specific hang-up in regard to the Messiah, who at this point had been promised by the prophets for almost 300 years, and yet was nowhere in sight. And so over time, the sentiment develops that, that either God isn't paying attention to what's going on, or he just doesn't care. But either way, he's not doing his job. That's a very serious accusation to make against God. If the scriptures tell us anything about the Lord, it is that he is perfectly just. God always does what is right. And one of the things that he hates more than anything else is someone who calls evil good or good evil. Right? Someone who approves of things that they should not approve of and who opposes things that they should embrace. So for the people to accuse the Lord in this way is incredibly bold. And it's completely lacking any sense of self-awareness. Right? Have these unfaithful, compromising, profane people been paying attention to anything over the last three disputations? And they, have, they have no grounds to say this. This is the kind of thing that can get you struck by lightning, right? to, to accuse the Lord in this way. And so we can certainly understand why the Lord would be wearied by these claims. As we move into chapter 3, Malachi is going to reveal to the people exactly where the Lord is and what he's going to do about all of the evil and injustice in the world. And so we'll pick up again in chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. He writes, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Ju Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years. So picking up again in verse 1, the Lord explains exactly what he's about to do to address the evil and injustice in the world. He says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And so in the ancient world, when a king was traveling from one place to another, he would often use a forerunner who would go to prepare the way before him. And so the forerunner's job was to, was to fix the road, to fill in any potholes or to clear away any brush that might be in the way so that the king had a smooth journey with no, uh, no obstacles. And also, he was to alert the people in every town along the way that the king was coming so that he could be received with all the appropriate pomp and celebration. And so here, we see that the Lord is sending a messenger to prepare the way for him to come to his people. And God's visiting people in the Bible almost always carries some aspect of judgment or salvation in it. And we're going to see that both of those elements are at play here. But first, as we look at the second half of the verse, Malachi reveals that once the way has been prepared, then the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming. So we need to give careful attention to the flow of this verse because it could be confusing. Right? The Lord says, I am sending my messenger. He is going to prepare the way before me. 
Right? But then he says, and the Lord whom you seek, whom he also refers to as the messenger of the covenant, will suddenly come to his temple. And you'll notice that the word Lord in that case is not spelled with all capital letters in our translations, which indicates that it's not referring to God specifically. Right? And so the Lord refers to him not as, to, he refers to him as he, not as I. And so there's a, there's a tension of sorts here. The Lord is coming to his people, but the people are going to see this Lord over here, who no doubt is the Messiah that they seek and have been waiting for. So God is coming to his people, and the Messiah is coming to his people. And, and this is a hint, along with other texts that we've seen in the Old Testament, that this coming Messiah isn't going to be a mere man. He is going to be divine. God is coming to his people in the form of this Lord, this Messiah who serves as the messenger or the bringer of the new covenant that was promised by Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. And so what is God doing about all the evil and injustice in the world? Well, he's about to come and deal with it himself in the person of the coming Messiah. But then in verse 2, Malachi asks a very important question. He says, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? We see here that the, the reality is that what the people think they want is not necessarily what they really want. Because the truth is that they are not ready for the Lord to execute judgment and to establish true righteousness. As we alluded to earlier, if God were to judge sin across the board, then the Israelites would go down along with anybody else. Right? They're no better. In fact, if anything, their position as God's covenant people makes all of their sin and rebellion even worse. So contrary to what the people might be expecting, this Messiah is not just going to come to deal with their enemies and then throw a big party for them. Instead, Malachi describes this person as being like a fire and like soap. So fire was used in the ancient world for, for purification of, of a lot of things, but particularly to, to purify metals. And, and like today, soap or detergent was used to remove dirt and stains from clothing and to whiten them. And both of these things are images for purification and, and cleansing. Malachi's use of this imagery reveals that the people are unclean, they are impure, and they need to be radically cleansed before they can enjoy the benefits that the Messiah is going to bring. But by God's grace, we see that instead of rejecting the people, as he could rightly do, the Lord is going to purify his people. In verse 3, Malachi says that the coming Messiah will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Right? The, the Messiah is going to work in his people and refine them in such a way that they become true worshipers once again. And the result of this, as we see at the end of verse 4, is that the offerings that the people bring to the Lord will be pleasing to him once again. Right? And this is a, a picture of God's people relating to and worshiping the Lord as they should. And through the work of the Messiah, God is going to get his people back in a, in a right relationship with him. God is after the hearts of his people, and through the Messiah, he is going to get their hearts. Then moving into verse 5, we see that the Lord will also 
once and for all take care of the evil and justice of the world by bringing judgment against those who resist the Messiah. And so we'll pick up one last time, beginning in verse 5. He says, Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I'll be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. And so picking up again in verse 5, the Lord reveals that after the time of refinement, an opportunity for, for purification is over, he will judge those who do not respond. He says, then I will draw near to you for judgment. He promises to be a swift witness against a variety of types of people who are engaged in unrepentant sin. And so he names sorcerers, or those who engage in the occult or, or practice divination. Adulterers, those who are faithless to their spouse. False witnesses, those who lie or who take God's name in vain under uh, oath. He also refers to those who oppress either their workers or widows and orphans or who thrust aside sojourners. And this, this last group of people collectively refers to people who were socially and financially vulnerable in the ancient world for any number of reasons. Right? But instead of helping these people, the, the people who are identified here as oppressors take advantage of them. And they make their lives even more difficult for their own benefit simply because they think they can get away with it. The Bible is, is clear that God has a special place in his heart for those who are vulnerable, and he will deal with those who take advantage of them. As Malachi makes clear at the end of the passage, the root cause of all of this unrepentant sin is ultimately that these people do not fear him. They do not recognize God for who he is and respond to him accordingly, in love and worship. While they may get away with their injustice in the short run, Malachi is clear that the Lord will most certainly bring justice to them in the long run. And that should answer any objections that the people have to where God is or what he's doing about their situation. And so in our, our passage this morning, the Lord answers the accusations of his people that, that he is indifferent to all of the evil and suffering and injustice that's going on in the world. He promises to send a messenger who is going to prepare the way for the coming Messiah, who will deal once and for all with all evil and injustice, either through a process of refinement or through judgment. And certainly the problem of evil continues to affect us today. Even uh, today, people look around at the world we're in and, and they ask, why are things the way that they are? Why does God allow these things to happen? Why won't God do something about this? So this prophecy is every bit as relevant for us today as it was for the Israelites almost 2,500 years ago. Of course, as we read this prophecy today, we have the benefit of historical hindsight. Right? While the ancient Israelites were, were called to believe that God was going to do something for them in the future, we have the advantage of knowing that God has done something and that one day he's going to bring the work that he started to completion. Right, we know that the promised messenger was sent, and he did prepare the way. And all four gospel accounts in the New Testament identify him as John the Baptist. 
And as we'll see more when we get into Luke next month, John the Baptist had a ministry of calling people to repentance and to renewed spiritual commitment to the Lord in preparation for the coming Messiah, who he identified as Jesus. Right? And in Jesus, the Lord who God's people had been looking for and seeking for centuries did come to his temple. And he did establish the new covenant by dying on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins so that we can be forgiven of our sin by repenting and turning to him and placing our faith in what he has done for us. And so now the time of refinement that Malachi refers to in this passage is taking place. As the gospel is being proclaimed around the world, and as people are sanctified, set apart by God for his purposes, as they are transformed to be more and more like Jesus by the Holy Spirit. So the, the, the good news is that anyone who wishes to escape God's righteous judgment can know that God has made a way for that through Jesus, through the Messiah, and that rather than being condemned, we can be transformed into the people that God expects us to be by, by again, repenting of our sins and by faith, receiving the perfect righteousness of Jesus in exchange that the Holy Spirit then begins to work out practically day by day in our lives. If you're here this morning and you've not turned to Jesus, then I pray that you would consider, recognize the seriousness of our sin against God and, and recognize what Jesus has done to save you through his life, death, and resurrection. Again, the good news this morning is that one day all things will be made right again. Just as we sang earlier, this is my Father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied, and earth and heaven be won. That's true this morning. Now, on this side of the cross, we, we experience the, the already not yet dynamic of life before Jesus comes back. In one sense, the kingdom is here. Right? Jesus has established it. And yet it's not now what it will be when he comes back to finish what he started. And so while we can, we can taste the goodness in, in many ways of the kingdom right here and right now, there are still many, many difficulties and bitternesses that we have to endure as we go through this life. It's, in some ways, it's like the beginning of fall. A couple weeks ago, I, I stepped out to go to my truck to come to the office, and I felt it for the first time. We had a morning that dipped down into the 50s. It was so good. Fall is on its way. I, of course, it, it ended up warming up over the course of the day, and it's continued to be hot here lately, but it's not what it was before. You can tell that the seasons are changing and that, and that the, the good weather is on its way. And in, the same, in the same way that the kingdom is here, and we can taste that, but the fullness is, is yet to come. And so in the same way, we wait for the ultimate fulfillment to come in the future. Of course, sometimes that's very difficult for us to do. It's hard to wait for what we know will be when we're enduring all the difficulties of this life. And, and depending on where we are in life, we can wonder what God is doing at this particular point in time. Malachi would assure us that God is working all things out according to his perfect wisdom. 
Just as, as Peter wrote in his second letter, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some, have count, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not willing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So church, we can't mistake God's patience for indifference. The fact that, that the Lord is, is gracious to give us time it is not the same thing as being indifferent to what's going on in the world. Malachi is clear that justice will come one day. And when it does, there will be no loose ends left hanging. But for those who are in Christ, when that day comes, all of the wrongs in the world will be made right. The losses of this life will be restored. The enemies that come against us will be destroyed. Our faithfulness in life will be rewarded. And we will enter into an entirely new existence that is beyond our ability to even begin understanding right now. As we are together with the Lord for all eternity. So church, this morning with Malachi, let's put our hope in the God who has promised to take care of all things and make all things right through his Messiah. Let's pray together.